Hi, this is Mick Tully and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. Dear listener, how you doing? It's Mick Tully, MixedMartialArts.com. Yeah, it's a bit of a mad one today. I'm interviewing the guy who actually put me on the path and has kept me on the path by his example. And that, I really mean that, I really mean that. It's the one and only, drum roll please. We were actually, by the way, before we, I, I will get sidetracked as you always know with everything I ever do. I just got Sensei Andy Margaret to uh, play a bit of his guitar and he was singing by a lonely prison wall. I heard a young man calling the old Irish tune. And uh, I wanted that to be my intro, but he's not gonna do it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the one and only Sensei Andy Margaret. How are you? I'm very good, Michael. Uh, you sound quite impressive, aren't I, really? Yeah? You think I'm just talking shit? You, you, use, you actually, before we, before we get going, you know you were the first person to ever call it the Mick Tully Show. But that was when I used to turn up training, wasn't it? You're, I think um, you could have amounted to anything that you wanted in this life. I think you have let yourself down a little bit. How far you could have gone... I know you've come a long way. I'm lazy. But you could have gone right to the very top, mate. Uh, still time. There is still There's time. still time. And you're still working at it. So yeah, you got to do it, you got to do it, yeah. No, I've got to set the scene for you a little bit. So as a 16, 16 and a half year old boy, I went and trained with Sensei Andy Margaret. Some of you guys I might have mentioned before. I trained very, very briefly with a guy, Jim O'Brien, who we actually went to this funeral together. I like Jim O'Brien. Yeah, Jim was a great guy. And I went and trained with him and uh, Jim was great and yeah most of the guys at training with him were great but there was one guy in particular and God rest his soul he's dead now but uh, he almost put me off that's why I'm so against bullies in martial arts because whether or not he was being a bully or not you know he could only be held responsible for how he threw the round kick I was only responsible for how I took it and I took it like he was just beating me up but as luck would happen as, as luck, as luck uh, came around a couple of my friends were training with you Andy and they said come up and train and then that's where I, you know, the first and only karate instructor I ever had. I only stopped training with him when I went to, went to Germany. So right. that was it. So uh, for, for that, I'm eternally grateful. Easily, easily one of the only really positive, influential men in my life. You know, you're in the, you're in the, same, you're in the same standing as Danny Santo, Rick Fay, Terry Barnett and Neil Simpkin. Yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. If you're going to have a hero, make sure you get a fucking good one. You know what I'm saying? But uh, Andy, we're going to start right at the beginning. Why did you get into martial arts? So we have one. I was a bit of a was same age as yourself, 16. Yep. I was uh, drifting. I was doing the um, sub-aqua down at the company right. sports centre. I was just getting into young ladies. Really? 16 plus. Just yeah. Get straight up, up front. Yeah. And, uh, and drifting, really. No real direction. Uh, I started work at a small company, engineering company called Pitchline Transmissions, and one of the guys that was working there, a lad called Billy Evans, who was a purple belt at uh, Santi Barry Tatlow's club. Oh, Barry Tatlow. And yeah. he talked about karate, but it didn't interest me. But then he did one thing which impressed the pants off me. He got down on a proper old fashioned concrete floor and did. 20 press-ups on his knuckles straight off old school and man. i thought that man's hard yeah i gotta have a bit of that and in january 72 i went to the last lesson barry was having before the christmas break and i watched all the black belts uh, training but again what really impressed me was the stretching and everything yeah i uh, was just impressed with what i saw not necessarily the karate but just the way they were stretching and that so i thought i'll give it a go 
and the rest is history. The rest is I history. I started indeed. January, first week in January 1973. And did you did you know that Elvis had done karate? Because you're a bit of an old Elvis at, fan as well. At the time, I didn't. And obviously, the two greatest influences in my life have been, obviously, Bruce Lee and Elvis Presley. It's amazing how many people, like the amount of people I have interviewed, because martial arts is really funny because you turn around and you go, how'd you get into martial arts? I go, I was an Elvis fan. And you're like, really? And then, because he was a legit, he was a legit black belt, wasn't he? Well, most of, his, most of his stage moves, not most, a lot of his stage moves, and the ones that you remember him by, yeah. are martial moves. Yeah. And, and, and then one of the films where the tiger jumps him and he sidesteps it and smacks it <laughs> in the side of the head. Again, it's a martial move, isn't it? It's not something yeah. that some directors dreamed of. Oh, just step to the side and knock um, and push it, push the tiger away. It was a proper martial move. Well, he, he trained in Kempo Karate, and uh, I've I've trained. I've, uh, yeah, I've interviewed a few guys, uh, Kempo guys, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, Kempo trained correctly. It's like it's like everything. Yeah. You know, anything. I, tai Chi trained correctly, man. Is, it's got Anything back in the day, I think a lot of it's been watered down. I'm not, I'm not being negative about martial arts as it is today, because it's, it's more broader now than it ever has been. Yeah. And uh, more people are able to get into it now. But when I started, a long time before you started, but he, even though we are the same age, Michael. Yeah, we are. That's a, a running in joke. Andy always used to say that we were the same age. We were talk, you we think we were you're younger, right? Night, we were talking one night when we were out having a social after training, and I said to Michael, oh, that guy, he's our age, isn't he? And then Mick jumped straight in, saying, no, no, Sensi, he's my age. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, have to, I have to actually add to that, that we were talking once about, it was a nightclub in Coventry, and Andy was saying to me, so Sensei Andy was saying to me, he goes, you know, the Rock House, the Rock House. And the, ro the Rock House was the Locarno oh, yeah. or Tiffany's. And like the Stones played there, Zeppelin played there. It was a big thing. Gary Glitter played there. We, we oh, won't, won't talk about Gary. Yeah, we won't mention <laughs> him. No, no, he's, we, we, he's, yeah, he, he's off limits, right? But anyway, uh, you, you said it to me and you go, you know it, you know it. And I went, you mean the Central London, Central London Library? <laughs> And that's when we realised there was a there was a little bit of an age difference. But so only only Michael Tolley could pull that one out of the hat. Yeah, it was me talking about the good old days of Locarno and, and how it <laughs> used to go and the bands that used to be on, and and how it changed to try and survive. And then when I talked about it, and only he could pull out the oh oh, oh you mean the Coventry Central Lending Library? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can oh, that was a classic. Rely, that was a classic. You can always rely on me to take it to, to bring it down a level or two. So. What I was it just through Barry Tatlow? Or did you understand the different arts at the time in karate? I think like with most, if you ask most people after the first three to six months of what they were doing, most people don't know the art. I mean, I've got students training today. If I asked them, what, by the way, what style of karate are you doing? They yeah. probably wouldn't know it's Wadaroo. They just come in doing karate and you might give them the grading syllabus with Wadaroo splashed all over it you might yeah. tell them it's Wadaroo you might explain what Wadaroo means and how it's different to say Shotokan or Taekwondo or whatever style they don't take it in no they just do karate yeah you know. well I've had it with the Jeet Kune Do you know and they go what do you teach and I'm like 
it'll take me half an hour to explain that it's you know a vehicle for personal development it's not really just about it's not just the moves it's everything else that comes with it i'm like you know i do martial arts go, oh you do what conor mcgregor does yeah something like that and that that's normally what you have to come out with yeah. so what what is it about karate that's kept you in it for so long then well i think i'm martial minded i think i should have been a military man i think i should have gone we've talked about this before my father was a 27 year old a 27 year uh he was in the Royal Artillery for 27 years. He got as high as Regimental Sergeant Major, which is the highest you can get before becoming a commissioned officer. Yeah. And I think it was just in my blood to be to be marshal, but it, it just never happened. Well, me, me and you talked about that before, because I went for the Irish Guards before I started with you. And uh, that was the middle of the 1980s. And uh, for some of the younger listeners, I don't know if you know, but... Ireland and England didn't always have the great relations that they have now. So, of course, yeah, and trust me, I wasn't getting on great with my father at the time, but when he found out that I wanted to join the Irish Guards, but I was the same. And I remember, I hope you don't mind me saying this, a little bit of a side one. I remember you saying that when you buried your father, you were looking down on his arms, and I love this story. And all the women that were on them. All the women that were on it. Can you explain women's, what this is? All the like? women's names. There wasn't women on them. There was women's names. There was Bess, there was Jess... There was other other uh, ladies' names, but what they were, he was because he was in the Royal Artillery. He was um, responsible for looking after a horse, so he he actually had to take care of a, an individual horse, and obviously he had that horse for a while. And when that horse either was taken away from him or passed away, he had that horse put on his put on his arm. Yeah, and then he must have had about eight to ten tattoos with these girls all over his arm like you know <laughs> you see this is the thing right it's going to let me lead me into something i've always wanted to ask you about this anyway is we've always referred to each other as old school that's where yeah whenever we it's like you're still training me you know i'm old school and you go you, you know what you like you know michael you're old school you always say that and i think your dad was one of the first times when you mentioned your dad to me that was because you know Anyone who's ever listened to this, you know the situation. I never really had a really positive role model. That's why I've always wanted. That's why I've always wanted to be a great father. I always wanted to be a great husband. I always wanted to be a great man in life because I didn't have a great. Yeah, you know, and then I, I can't. It's not. It's not ragging on my father. It's just the fact that 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 he that wasn't what he was up. That isn't what he did. You know, and I remember that you were the first person I met as an adult who actually looked towards your dad, and like yeah, I had mates of mine who had cool dads and that. But yours was like an old, old school guy. You know, this is a guy who, he'd lived their life. You know what I mean? It's like nowadays, you know, people are talking about safe spaces and blue shirts and don't use words because they hurt you. And then you're talking about a guy who's, who, who was in the military for 27 years. And it, yeah, I remember the way you used to talk about it. And how much of that, how much of your father's example was an impact on you? Because I'm only asking because you've been a huge impact on me, so I'd like to know where the lineage comes from. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I see my dad work hard from the, from the day I was born to the day the day he passed away. He, he retired at 65. He didn't get to see 66. Even when he retired, he got himself a part-time job to make sure he stayed doing something, yes. something positive in his life. He always had two jobs. He always went to work, say, to come to Climax, come home. He's the sort of guy that would make the dinner did a washing up, tidy house up bit, and then go to a second job. He always, he liked to pop. He was a 27 year army man. Yeah. He, you know, nobody that's been in the army didn't like a pop. And, uh, but he wasn't an alcoholic, but I think he got up, caught up with him in the end. Yeah. But um, yeah, he, he was just, he worked hard all his life. Yeah. 
I think that instilled that in, in all the kids' lives. Yeah, well, you see, this is the thing. It's like, I've, I've told you before, you know, when we used to, well, especially when I used to drink, I, uh, I, I, I can be a bit emotional. But I, the thing is, as well, I can only be emotional with about four people in the world. But when I'm emotional with them, I'm emotional with them. And I, I, I've, I've said it to you so many times, you know, uh, if I hadn't have met you, it would have turned out differently. I've used you as an example for a lot of times. What would Andy do in this situation? And like, don't get me wrong, I, I know you're not a saint. Don't, yeah, we, we both know that, right? But I've looked at you and I've gone, right, what would Andy do? And it's like, even now, as I said, where you got me on the path, that's one thing. But you have kept me on the path because I'm literally like, uh, when anyone says, oh, are you still training? And I'm like, well, Andy Margaret gives up because we're the same age, then he might do it. Because we're, we're the same. No, no, it was, well, I looked at it and I think, well, yeah, if Andy's keep going, it's the same as Danny Nassanto, same as Terry Barnett, you know, same as Rick Fay. These are like, these are all guys that are coming up to 60. Guru Dan's at 81. And it's like, well, if they can do it, and it's the, it's the holistic benefits, you know, it's everybody's telling me yeah. that I've got to slow down. I've got to stop doing this, stop doing that. I think the biggest thing that people worry about, people like yourself and other people who have known me for a long time, if I carry on fighting, I mean, I've been fighting now for 45 years. 45 years, Jesus. And I'm, not, I'm still not getting beaten. If I've been beaten once in three years, that is all I've been beaten. Really? Even with selections at the, uh, for the Wadakai European Championships in Sardinia, uh, in October, I had two fights. I had two wins, but I wasn't very good in them fights. Tell, 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 for the listeners listening in who don't know how old are you are, how old I'm are you? I'm 62 years old. 62 years old. I uh, have to give these fighters so many years. What it is, the brain never changes. Yeah. That's why you look in the mirror and you still see the same guy you saw when you were 16 years old. Yeah. I haven't changed. People see me. Sensei, you haven't changed. <laughs> that's why I cut. Um, you've got a little bit of a grey. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why you. Should, fun. Well, we we've talked about this. I've got I've got the grey beard. I don't really care because I think I'm Ernest Hemingway. That's the difference. That's why I do a bit of writing. But you, we talked about this one Christmas, and I said no grey, and you went, I'm that vain. I even plucked a few grey eyebrows out. Yeah, that I was, still cut. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that still hasn't it. changed. No, <laughs> I, I, I knew you were coming around today, and I made sure I was clean shaven. Oh, and the, head, and the head was not head me. Was, I've always had the beard. I, 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 was rocking, I haven't. See, I was rocking the stubble when George Michael was still straight. You know what I mean? When I started losing the hair on the top of my head, I had the old Bobby Charlton flick over the old Matt flapping away. Yeah, you did have and, a little bit. Um, of a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours as well, Alan Hoyne. He said to me, "Lose the mat on top of your head." He says, get it all off, shave it all off. He goes, and grow yourself a goatee. Yeah. So I had a goatee for a few years, but then, like yours, <laughs> Michael, the grey started coming through on the goatee. I'll tell you what, this I thought, that's got to go. Well, this is a good time to pull this one out, right? Uh, I, I've so many great stories of training with you. Yeah, some awesome memories. As I said, I don't ever have a bad memory uh, of just being around you. But I remember once I went in, and it was, now, listener, please you're gonna to have to re this has to be contextualized for you so it's the probably the end of the 80s so I'm 18 19 tops quite a high opinion of myself uh, yeah I was quite amusing I was good looking I was a good-looking dude in my day right and I went going into, there, hey you know that's still there though still there and uh, I walked into class the sensei Andy Margaret's there and he's got a bit of a quiff because the hair was still there at the time 
and you'd grown a bit of a Clark Gable overnight. Do you remember oh, the moustache? It was a hero of mine. Oh, <laughs> and I walked in, walked into the class, and it was uh, Sensei's still very old school. There's no messing around. As I always say, when I'm teaching seminars, I always say some of you guys need to go and train with Sensei Margaret for a week because I'm very easy going and as long as you bow to each other before and after sparring or working out with each other before you come in and out of the room, I'm cool. But you're very, very autocratic. It's still doing it the old school way, lining up the whole thing. So if, if Sensei ever did anything, no one would mention it. It'd be the elephant in the room. So I walk into this room and I'm thinking to myself, I can't be the only person in this room to notice that he's got a Clark Gable moustache going on. And I look at it and I'm thinking, someone's got to say something and no one's saying anything. And Sensei will always tell you, one of his biggest pet hates in the world when he used to be sparring is, he's the loveliest man in the world, but if you hit him in the nose, he gets quite angry, am I right? Of course. Yeah, and as he's also said before, it's quite a prominent nose, so it's a big target. So of course, Easy. me being me. Easy, <laughs> <laughs> so me being me, I walked in and I said, I know that's a very regal nose, but did you need to underline it? And I, that I got absolutely, you hammered me for that. You hammered me for that. But yeah, you, so you've always, do you put that down to the mindset from the training or from life or what? Just I think a youthful outlook. probably put, down, uh, put it down to how I feel life should be, hardy rather than an, an easy way in life. I was yeah. lucky enough to, to find Barry Tutlow to, to be guided into his club and I spent seven years training hard training I mean I, you tell people it was four or five times a week when I was a low grade you could only train on a Tuesday and a Thursday yeah or a, or a sorry Monday and a Wednesday you could train yeah. but you couldn't go Friday because you had to be a high grade to go on a Friday and that wrangled me he wasn't allowed to go on a Friday so I had to get up to a certain level I always remember for training for my first six months and I got me white belt. I mean, six months training two or three times a week. Yeah. Like yourself now, we were talking earlier, Mick, before we, yeah, before we started recording. Yeah. Recording. And you were saying to get a, to get a belt now in your style. It's 12, 12 years. Yeah. 12 years for a black belt. And you could be on, you could be on that white belt. You could be on that white belt for two well, and a half years. It's a certain mindset that keeps people on the, on the journey yeah. for 12 years. And the ones that don't make it were never meant to make it anyway. Yeah. You know. Exactly that exactly that it's a, you, you know it's you got to embrace the grind it was always hard work with you i i, I remember you used to make a bit of concession and i uh, you said during the cold spell you can wear a t-shirt under your gi and that was i was like wow wow thanks for that because we, yeah we trained in some cold places didn't we it was yeah. important to wear the gi as well i mean at the moment we have a a proper t-shirt now with the black sun badge on it black sun everything on the back and I do allow people now on a Tuesday night to wear a t-shirt, a belt and, and gi bottoms. Whereas before you had to wear a gi. Yeah. And even now, I mean, I've had people turn up for a grading with a with t-shirt and I said, well, you ain't grading tonight. Cool. Big. You need your uniform. Too right. You know? And on a Thursday night, you've got to wear it. It's you traditional Thursday night at my club. You have to wear a gi. You know, you wouldn't turn up to Strictly Come Dancing and not be wearing sequins. Well, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. it's the truth. It's, uh, you know, we're go I'm going to just bring you back a little bit to the early days because you were training with Toru Takamazawa and you were training over at the temple in Birmingham as well. well. That's where I learned. That's where I learned to, to be a fish. I mean, 
a very good friend of mine once said, why does that man, we're talking about Wayne Burgess by the way, this guy was. Yeah. Because they'd, uh, Wayne and Steve has left to set up Shogun, their own karate Yeah, club. yeah, yeah. But they were third dance and they've been with me for 20 years or so. Yeah. And it was their time to move on. And then um, a very, very great, well, one of the great martial artists, and influence, a very big influence on me as well. But he, um, oh, I can't think of the adages there, it's just gone. But he said to me, why does that, why does he want to be a, a big fish in a small pond? Why doesn't he want to be a big fish in a big pond? Yeah. Why has he left you? Why is it? Why is he gone? And I said, well, he just wants to do his own thing, or you know, and he wants to do purely his own thing. Garth, Garth Wardrop was the name of the guy. Garth. Great, oh, what a guy! Well, what a gentleman! What, what a, gentleman. a guy! What a gentleman! Uh -huh. Let me tell you, a quickly digress, because you'll probably get onto the fighting side of, of, of my yeah. uh, of my martial career, but. The very first time I won the, the Basque Nationals, it was in Eastleigh in London. Don't ask me what year it was, but Alan Hine, um, who, as Michael knows, and, and them that know me know he's a very, very good friend of mine. Yeah, he's a great guy. And uh, we've we've trained uh, a lot together and kept us both, kept ourselves both going. But he was, not many people know, he was a British Kung Fu champion. Yeah, I remember it, yeah. And, uh, and it was continuous. It wasn't like karate where one was Ari, the, the minute, the minute yeah. he smacks me around the ear roll, it all stops and then he gives you a point and then you start again. It's not like it's continuous and you used to use the clickers and everything like. And um, we went to, the, and Al had come along and he was a member of Basca as well, a member of my club which made him a member of Basca. Um, we both went through the first round, both went through the second round, but then Alan caught the guy. What it was, he hit him with a sweet round ass kick and then as he put his foot down, guy stopped because he's he knew he'd been hit and Alan Hine just followed straight up and knocked him out wow well they pick him up take him off but Garth Wardrop you're gonna say the word again old school yes don't mind a little bit of contact yes you can realize Alan Hine was really good so you let him go through to the next round so this is now like the quarterfinals this is about the quarterfinals now I go through and win my fight Alan Hine gets this, this this really big guy from London and he's fighting away, he drops a gack, a gack on him, a reverse punch, he pulls it back, the guy steps back because he's been hit with a clean one, Alan Hine, Garth's about to step in and say yame, Alan just follows it straight off with a roundhouse kick straight to the head, knocks the next guy out completely. Wow. I mean, they literally have to pick this guy up and try and hold him up and everything and Alan Hine put his hands up and says look, that's it. I'm I can't control it, yeah. and he and he and he steps back, and Garth goes, no, 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 you'll be all right, Alan. You'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> you'll be all right to carry on. I'm talking about old school here. Yeah. You know, well, you know, he's been it, but well, he should have should have been ready for it. And Alan says, no, no, I can't control it. But from then on, the guy then fought in the semi-finals and won that fight. I fought my semi-final yeah. and won my fight. I went through to the final, and this guy. I've been banging as well, yeah. But this guy refused to come out for the final, so I had a walkover in the final. Wow! All thanks to Alan, I knocked the guy out in the semi yeah. court finals. Yeah, yeah. You pump the tires <laughs> and I'll ride the bike. <laughs> that was my first. Uh, uh, I once actually won seven um, British uh, All Stars Car Association titles. Well, the, the, this is the thing. We had some great days on the road. I, but I was brutal. The I think the best I ever did. Well, I got my nose broken at Fox Hollies at the first ever seminar, at the first ever, uh, which was 
Paul Campbell says I was was it or was if it? If I remember rightly, Michael, you're the only person at my club that actually won two medals for two different clubs at the same tournament. That's how good I am. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that that was a. Uh, because you were going to be reserving our an R A team. Yes. And then the team that they needed, they needed another fighter, didn't they? Yeah, so I went out for. So I yeah. said, well, if we need you, we'll call you back. <laughs> Uh, you're out on loan. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was out, I was out on loan. I was out on loan. I was I was brutal. You see, I always I was always different to most guys. Most guys like the, they like the sparring part. They like to learn two or three techniques, and then that was it. And then uh, um, yeah, I like the sparring. Yeah, when we used to spar, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the point fighting, yeah, the competition side wasn't really for me. I always loved the kata, uh, and I, I I just loved the mindset that he used to give. But I used to love getting on the road for the competitions because we'd go. There'd always be a few beers involved uh, the night before a competition, which was always a great idea. You know, nowadays you wouldn't do that. But you would turn up and like, how many's in your category? It's only a small category, 19. And you're like, there's only, uh, there's 22. And you're like, what? Uh, how many fights am I gonna have to have? And the amount of times me and you were on the road and we were still, we'd still be down in London at midnight and somebody had to fight. Or after midnight. Yeah. yeah. They were, but, Looking back on it, that's what they And Greg Wallace being the, uh, the entrepreneur he was, he said, yeah, you can all go home if you want, but you ain't getting your money back. Yeah, yeah. We're going to keep this going. Greg, <laughs> we're going to have it on. Yeah, Greg, Greg, was, Greg was something else. He lives in Jamaica now. Yeah, he does. We'll talk about Greg later. Yeah, he yeah, he's, the... he's, he's there now. So, competition-wise, who do you think was your hardest ever fight? Well, they're all still hard, Michael. Let me tell you... I don't like to st st stand one man up more than any, but I suppose having to fight Vic Giles twice in his heyday, really, and not and not get and not uh, get beat inside the time, I took him took him the distance both times. I lost both fights. Really, one was in the uh, British Championships, and that that was in team. And since he uh, to get on, I was still fighting. Really? Because Vic, Vic, Vic let, me is you, let me see if I can tell you the name of that team that we fought. I was with um, with Barry's team that time. And yeah. Graham Tucky, and the uh, the Ishin Rue team was Santi Donovan. Yeah. Roy Jerome. Roy Jerome. Jesus. The, that yeah. Oh come on. Let me come back to it, Michael. Can't think of all the great names that were in that team. But he. Oh. Not Tyrone White, was it? Tyrone White. Ah, you see, I'm good. Yeah, it was one of. Yeah, Tyrone was one. Obviously, Vic Charles, because I'm not. It's just trying to remember the story. Oh, mate, I tell you, it's it's. Well, this is the reason I asked because I I remember you now. I never saw this, right? But you you fought. Let me, tell, let me go back to the second fight with Vic. Yeah. It was in the English Championships, and I've gone through the first two rounds, and then the court, not the yeah, the quarterfinals. Uh, I fought no in the the round before the quarterfinals. I fought a lad called. Oh, you have to edit edit this. Sorry, mate. No, no, don't worry. But he, Steve Ives. Steve Ives. Ives. Do you know that name? No. Let me tell you the story. Now they said to me, Steve Ives, he fights for England. And I goes, never heard of him. And he goes, no, he's in the England team. And I goes, well, I've never heard of him. And he goes, oh yeah, he's in he's in the England team. So I fight him, and I didn't know him, and I beat him. Ah. Next round, guess who? Quarterfinals, Vic, Vic Charles. <laughs> wow, yeah, you've done but, all your winning today. And again, it, I took him to the distance, but I lost it oh, two Zaris to nil. But he, uh, but the the reason why I'm saying that is because of Steve Ives. Steve Ives, three weeks after that, 
they went to uh, Madrid for the uh, Spanish Open, right? Or the Europeans? Can't remember what the tournament was, but Santi Donovan took a t team over, and I think it was after the tournament they went to a nightclub, and a fight broke out in that nightclub, and uh, they were told to scatter. The police came, drew guns, and they were told, and then obviously scatter. So they all ran for it. The police told them to stop. They kept running. Shots were fired. Steve got hit. Wow. Got hit in the stomach. Wow. He didn't make it. Jesus. He died. I remember we had a tournament. We had a tournament. You must have been to it, Michael. We had a tournament at the uh, Dumnock Club. And Jazz, Jazz DeSange, who we'll probably talk about yeah. a bit later on. Um, it was at his club. And we, it was it was a great, great success. And all the... Well, the proceeds were put together and sent to the wife. Oh, wow. Know, but, but, yeah, he, he died within three weeks of that fight. Well, do you know what? It's it's mad because uh, that's the one thing. The one thing about the training is it does teach you the old fragility of life. Because guys that you don't you think that you haven't seen for five years, work out it's 15 years, and you see them, and they're either broken men or they're on the way out the door, and you're like, what has happened to you? And they're like, life, baby, life. It's unreal. The fight I was going to ask you about was Alfie Lewis. Oh, I've only been thrashed once in my. Now you've you've you've, you've yeah, but you know Michael, what? Michael has hit the hit the nail on the head. Yeah, but there's there's talent and there's talent. Oh right? man, my my grave in my greatest influence. Even though I had a great instructor in, in Barry Tatlow and Graham Tucky. Even though he did knock my teeth out, Graham. <laughs> uh, what a, by the way, Graham, if you're ever listening to this, yeah, now I would have sued you for that, all right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, Graham knocked teeth out. But um, Greg Wallace was my greatest uh, inspiration. He made me the man I am now. Yeah. He's the reason why I'm still here. You know, he gave me uh, a new direction. Yeah. And he coached me in more than just martial arts, in the way of people and life. Yeah. And... Uh, we were at this big tournament. It was one of these, um, I can't remember the name of the tournaments, but when the, the mixed martial artists were all getting together, kickboxers and all the different stars were oh, getting. Oh, yes. If, FSI or something. Yeah, it was FSK. F, yeah. Freestyle sport karate. That's yeah. when they first started going. Yeah, man. And of course, Mid we were all on it. And, yeah. Uh, there was, uh, who was the Kung Fu guy? Alvin Mighty, Neville Ray. Neville Ray. Neville yeah, Ray was still there. Neville. I had to fight Neville in the next round, by the way. Really? And, uh, Kevin Bruton, is it? Kevin yeah. Bruton. They were all there. All the, big, all the big names of that era were there at this tournament. And in the first round, I, I had Greg behind. Greg was the coach, and I, I was fighting away. So I had Greg behind me, pushing me, telling me how good I was and how I could do it. And I had Alfie Lewis, who was already world champion. Alfie Lewis was kickboxing world champion, karate world champion. Everything he did. Yeah. He, I know he had a bit of a, a dark a dark period a bit later on. He's turned it around now, you know. I'm sure he has. But we won't go into that. Yeah. We'll talk about. But what Michael's touching on was the one fight where I know I was truly thrashed. <laughs> in, and it was for ten points, and we got going. And I got let's say I got went one down, three down, five down, and it, Alf, Alfie Lewis he jumped up in the air. He did a full 360 in the air, and with a touch of a feather, he touched me with a spinning, jumping, spinning back kick on the side of my head. Like a and, lover's caress. And then landed it 
I'm in a wrong ring here. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a time Wait, when you're charming, pushing me as hard as I could to go forward. And let me tell you, I was giving it everything I got, and I lost that fight ten nil. But but you know what? This is going to be. There's class, and then there's class. Um, you got to know where you are in the heat. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And I knew I knew where I was, and I've, I've always known where I've yeah. where I've been in that heat. And I've never claimed to be the greatest, but I've definitely tried as hard as You've, I can. You worked hard, to right? To try and get up that ladder. Well, you know what? It's going to lead me into something, right? I've I've used this a few times. Uh, bear in mind, I, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the shtick that I use when I'm teaching is stolen. Well, everything I've got is stolen from you, and it's stolen from Bob Breen. Uh, I, I'm 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 horrific for plagiarizing, and everyone's like, "You really? Oh, you're so funny!" And I'm like, "No, I've just been around some really cool guys and made a few notes." But uh, we won't mention his name. But um, he was a student of yours, and the story is so cool because I he was going to fight. I, I, I'm hope I'm getting this story correctly. He was supposed to be fighting Al Hine. So it was one of your students, and he was supposed to be fighting Al Hine. And because you had this oh, conflict of interest, <laughs> because Alan's your mate, but this is your student. And we, myself and Al Hine still use this, and I use it, which I use it sometimes to downplay the fact that you can have the most encouraging coach in the world, and you can have the greatest mindset in the world, but if your chisel isn't sharp, you ain't gonna <laughs> do the job. <laughs> and the story is great, right? It's I know like, what you're gonna say, yeah. Look, you know who you got in the next round, and I, I'm doing the, I'm doing, I, I'll play both roles on this, right? You know, you, you so I'm doing the Andy Margaret here now. Right? It's like, you know who you're meeting in the next round? Yeah, look at him. Look at him. He's looking at you because he knows you can do it. Look at me. Look at me. You know you can do it. Can you do it? Yes, Sensei, I can do it. No, look, he knows it you know it so go out there and do it <laughs> and then what happened Andy? <laughs> he got his nose broke he got his nose broke and it was <laughs> hilarious because this is a two this story works oh. on two levels because i was told that story once and i was howling and it was before i started training and then sensei andy margaret was way ahead of his time because you had a full-time center in coventry dev had one but no one else had one right yeah and it was smack bang in the middle of town and it, it was it was awesome mm -hmm. i used to love it you know you fall out of there so you, you could finish training on a friday and literally fall into the pink parrot nightclub you know you literally literally, could, was literally it was that close back entry to it yeah and we had uh which we, we're gonna have to touch on this because it's one of my, i know every time we meet up we always talk about it it's such a great story but you had an open day and the open day was all different martial artists from Coventry came down. There was a couple of guys who were going to teach different classes. So we had, like, there was a freestyle guy from Devs, from Eka. Uh, a lot of our mutual friends, we can't go without mentioning John. John and Jed Tumman, right? Yeah. They're great guys from Barnsley. Anyone who's ever trained in Barnsley has gone through their, their hands at least once. These are great guys. So they came down and we were going to have a bit of a competition to show people from the public what competition fighting was going to be and then there was going to be a few demonstrations so of course i've got to paint the pit you've got to paint the scene for you so i'm there and i'm hung over to hell from the night before i'm fighting and uh, it was either third or fifth they were the only two spots i'd ever get so third's pretty hard because you go out there the first two fights if they win you win 
happy days, right? But if you're fifth, you don't, you know, nine times out of 10, I like being fifth because you get the medal for doing nothing. Because you'd rock up, but the one time that you were asked, you had to do it. Yeah. And I was third or fifth, I can't remember which one it was. And I remember the guy's name till the day I dive, Steve Hemingway. Do you remember him, the big yeah. lad, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So here's the deal. So there's a guy from Coventry, and I, I, I can mention his name, and he is actually a really nice guy, Bob Jones. And he's a bit of a Shaolin monk type character, isn't he, right? Yeah, and he came and did this demonstration, and the first thing he did was he came out and he had a katana. Bear in mind he was like a Chinese stylist. And he had this, and I looked at it and I was like, this is a katana. And he said, this, this is worth half a million pounds. And I'm like that, scratching my chin going, that's a bold statement to say. Uh, me, I'd be like, I used to have a half a million pound sword. Now I'm married to this air stewardess. And I live on the Kenilworth Road, where the big houses are in, Kenil in Coventry anyway. So Bob's there and he comes out and he does this thing where he's saying, look, you can hide a, hide a sword up his sleeve. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. And I'm like, look, here's a cake. Oh, it's gone. And I thought it was quite amusing. Everyone that's like, And then when we were getting changed for the competition part, Bob's already seen me doing all my like, antics and he's saying you're in martial arts for the wrong reason you need to walk you need to be more humble you need humility and I'm like yeah 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 whatever Bob nice one nice one and I'm only in it for the rocking you know so of course we go out and Bob's like you have to remember you need to be as supple as the willow and strong as the oak you know and I'm like oh god almighty leave it out man anyway I go out there we have the old Look, you know you can do it. He knows you can do it. And I'm like this thinking, I've heard this speech before and it never worked well for the guy Andy's done it to. Uh, what happened to my nose, Andy? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Got rearranged. And then I went into the changing rooms and Bob's like, you see, if you walk the peaceful way and I've got, I've got plaster, I've got toilet roll hanging out of both my nostrils and I'm going, fuck off, Bob. And uh, literally, that's what, the only reason I was saying it was, all of that preamble was to say, when you opened up, could you see, did you know, did you know that martial arts was going to be going from a church hall to being something like the, 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 when guys do it right, they make a fortune at this now, right? They do. I, I never, I've never ventured down that road. When I started to centre up, obviously the likes of the, of Young Dev and that, I'd done it already and uh, I was obviously flying onto his coattails and trying to get something as good as that going and we had something beautiful going but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be yeah um, I started when it was all back street was all in backs of pubs and uh, in village halls and stuff it wasn't in schools it wasn't in sports halls it's only over the like Jim O'Brien was like he had one in the Coventry sports centres yes he did I don't know if you trained there that's where you? I trained in the long room yeah, but it was always in back streets. But then during my time, it came out of that and it got popular and it, it was everywhere eventually. And now it now it truly is. You, you, but you sell it as a lifestyle. The, the, the only thing is, it's, I, I look at it, and a lot of people don't like the McDojo thing and everything, but the way I look at it is, you're actually selling a lifestyle. And you're like, well, I want the commitment from you more than twice a week, you know, I'm a karate man. You're like, well, okay, then can I be here every night? And you don't want them to be every night there. Yeah, but, but how many people in this day and age can commit to, or, or will commit to it? In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I'll tell you right now, Andy, I know guys who train twice a day. They go in the morning. Yeah. And like, but you see, the thing is, it's 
there's a different generation now. You've got guys in their 30s who are still living at home. You know, some of them have got jobs. Well, most of them have got jobs anyway, but if they haven't got jobs, like, go training. All I want to do is just train. Yeah. And it's not, like, things have changed, man. You know, a guy over I'm 25. Hard, I'm a hardcore at my club yeah. who trains four or five times a week. And But that is a handful of students. Yeah. I then have, let's say, 15 who train twice, twice a week, maybe 30. Yeah. Say, let's say 25 that train twice a week, but the majority, the other 100, they're training once a week. Yeah. And they still want to be a black belt. And I tell them, it's gonna take I a tell while. them all, it's nearly impossible to get a black belt at this club training once a week. I'm telling you, it's, it's not impossible, it can be done. But chances are, it ain't going to be done. It's the law of diminishing returns, isn't it? It's like, well, what, how much are you putting into this? It's like trying to have a successful marriage and seeing your, seeing your wife once a week. It ain't going to happen. You can't teach all, everything you need to know about martial arts in one night. No. Because the following week, you have to go over the same stuff you went over last week because that's the stuff you're trying to learn. Yeah, you know, exactly It just that. cannot be done and you cannot mix it up just for the sake of the person who's training once a week. You know, it, it's impossible. So what's what's changes you've seen in martial arts from when you started it's to It's gone out? from being just adults, and I mean just adults, when I went there was no children, absolutely none, to now that... You famously never had children in the class, it, it, they, they were just small adults weren't they? If you try to explain to people, how when I, when I ran my club in the early days, the first say 10-15 years, I used to liken it to the old gunslingers that if you told somebody you were a gunslinger and you wrapped up in a town, that gunslinger in that town was going to step out into the main street. He's yeah. going to call you out. So you've got to make sure that you can back up being yeah. a gunslinger. Now, if you tell anybody that you're a black belt, you better be able to back that up. Yeah. You better be able to back it up. And in them days, if you were a black belt, nobody knew. No, mm. You wouldn't tell anybody you were a black belt. It's just something you had in your back pocket. Yeah. You know, that was for you. You know, like you say, it was just a lifestyle. You just w worked hard, and it was a hard man's game. And if you try, you you lived through the era of at my hardest, and I ran that club. Phew. You had to be hard. I to used survive. to I used to dread going there some nights, especially children, when I knew children and women could not survive. Exceptional women could. Exceptional people like say Lorraine Harkin, who's been with me now for thirty-five years. Yeah. She was able to put up with the hardness of it all. Yeah, she's a tough woman. I used to have. Especially when Bruce Lee kicked in, uh, all the martial arts films, and everybody wanted to get onto that bandwagon. Yeah. I mean, my claim to fame is I started all before Bruce came into the uh, equation. It was yeah. Ten Fingers of Steel and uh, King Kickboxer on. Yeah, yeah. And the One Arm Swordsman. Move <laughs> all out before. Yeah. Before, uh, well, actually, it was uh, Fist of Fury was the first one to come out in this country, yeah. even though Big Boss was his first major film. Um, which I tried to put on for Michael today, but you it was did. all in Chinese, and I decided I wouldn't. We go for we go for Enter the Dragon instead. We had Enter the Dragon on instead. Yeah, but like, there, there was quite. There's no there's no uh, there's no groundwork in in Jeet Kune Do, but there was a spinning armbar with Sammo Hung, and then John Saxon, a bit of a dick move on Jackson uh, John Saxon's part. He bit <laughs> he bit Bolo Young's calf. Like, I've I've actually I've actually had a guy do that to me once. Yeah. I, yeah, I had a guy do that and he went to bite a chunk out of it so I heel kicked him straight in the head and he went, that's not jiu-jitsu. I went, taking a fucking chunk, chunk out of my leg wasn't a good idea either, mate. But uh, So the change has been for the better, you reckon? I think so. 
I'm not 100% sure, but then I'm an old cynic, ain't I? <laughs> uh, cynicism comes with creaky knees, man. I never made a li I've never tried to make a living out of martial arts. No. I've been lucky because because of that I can be more ruthless on who I have trained with me and how I treat that individual. I found I found that that's because I'm doing the transition over and it's like for years everyone said it, you know, it's the whole thing, it's follow your dream, follow your dream and all of that. And I was like, well, I, you know, I, I make pretty good money. I have a great life yeah. and now I'm like no no you know I'm gonna I am and one of the things I'm really really concerned about is am I still gonna be able to go sorry mate you're not ready yet you know and I don't I don't like you because I don't like disappointing people either no who does but the, yeah but the only problem is if then if, if you're not I have it on a, showing up on a monthly basis when I have child parents and says you your son or your daughter just just not ready yet they're just yeah. not ready I, I'm not gonna steal money from you I have a thing with, my, with the graders at my club as well. If they grade and they fail, then they get the money back. I don't grade. I don't steal money from anybody. No. If they, if if he's my student, and I and I allow him to grade, and he fails, then. I remember when I got my black belt off you. I didn't know if I'd passed or not. I actually was under the impression I was like, I, I failed because I broke. I'd only broken my arms eight weeks previously. Mm. Yeah, so I always say that was the first time. Like, yeah, I've given up drinking now, but. That was the first time in my adult life uh, that I didn't drink. Yeah, I'd been drinking from 15. Not and like then, you, Michael. Huh? <laughs> like you. No, no, on Paddy's Day. On Paddy's yeah, Day, yeah. St. Patrick's Day that I graded on. But it was true. I, yeah, I went in there and literally, to this day, it's still burned indelibly. You know, myself, it was Andy Ogilby and Timmy the Pig were going for their... That, yeah, it was Timmy the Pig and Andy Ogilby. I fought everyone, fought everyone in the room. And then you, like, Mick, stand up. I stood up and it was Timmy the pig and I was like, ha, I smacked this guy all over the place. Andy, stand up. And then it was like, Mick. And literally I thought I'd failed on that because I didn't realise I, you know, that it was only halfway through that it was like, this is just to see if I'm going to pussy out now. That was it. And I took a beating because I remember at one stage I had to grab, I just grabbed Timmy the pig and pulled him in front of me. Poor old Tim Rahill, called him Timmy the pig. This is brutal. But... Andy Ogilby was a big, huge man, lovely fella, yeah. and he was and he was going for his brown belt, so he wanted he, he didn't want to fail either. All great students. Yeah, and of course I just remember I had to pull him in at the old Sydney Stringer School, and I had to pull him in, and I literally pulled Timmy the pig, and as Andy was beating on me, I was just steering Timmy in, in into the shots, and I ate a few, yeah. but Timmy Timmy's back of his head <laughs> ate a lot more than I did. But I remember yeah. it and I was thinking, because that was the moment when I, I actually realised that it wasn't, it wasn't about the technique, it wasn't about how good I was, it was, you, you know, because I, I could have collapsed, I could have said a lot, I've had enough, no one would have said anything because we'd just done four hours of training, they will go, oh, you know, you had a go. If you'd have given up, then you probably wouldn't have passed, because one of the tests is, especially the downgradings from your era, is I would always test to see how far a man can go before he breaks, and if he breaks, he has to come back. Yeah but, the, yeah, but the thing is, right, this is the mad thing. Uh, technically, I don't want to sound, but nobody, nobody ever really broke me, broke me. No. Nobody. No. But I remember the way, if you looked at me, especially if you looked at me with a bit of a disparaging look, uh, you did it a couple of times where you looked at me, where, like, like literally, and it, it was, it was, it'd be akin to like stealing somebody's wife. And you looked <laughs> at me where you were just so disgusted and like just so disappointed. And I remember, and I was like, Phew. 
and then that would be it that's when I'd, I'd really switch on then but I was like god almighty man what have I done what have I done but it, it was I, I, I yeah I've, I've had a few moments like that in my martial arts career where I've gone shall I shall I fucking throw the towel in and just take up golf you know what I mean yeah. and then I'm like nah nah can't because it, again it's it, you know the I think if you come through a school like like ours was in it in them it's not like that now be more PC but he, everything has to be right you know child protection yeah well you don't you don't want to use you don't want to use child <laughs> abuse but, but it was it was very you were ve you're very near the knuckle well yeah Neil Simpkins the same where it's like right you're 14 you're gonna spar with the sparring with all the adults yeah and it's like somewhere there is a liberal going look after them and Neil's like no no they'll sink or swim and the crack is if they sink they're only in the shallow end anyway yeah they're not going to drown and it's like i look at it now and it's like the 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 understanding the hardiness of it the the adversity going in there and getting beat because everybody gets beat yeah i this is yeah i say to parents when they bring their kids there'll be points when i'm going to be shouting at your kid there's going to be points where your kid doesn't like me guess what they got to get used to it because there's going to be people shouting at them in life and then yeah. there's no participation medal here you know and it's one thing i remember yeah and i've never told you this right if we if i had to ask you on a scale of one to ten right even now winning how important is winning on a scale to one to ten for you winning or trying to win the mindset of winning so the, the act itself so i'm just about going into any process going into a process and going i'm going to survive or going into process and one of my one of my favorite lines is what i give i got silver at the British Open one year and I gave it to my gave it to my friend's son right he was there he goes oh that's awesome I said you can have it anyway but you won that and I went and he goes it's a silver medal and I went yeah Germany got silver in the last war right <laughs> and he was like never looked at it I said what why I have a saying and I use it on a regular basis I have and I use it in all walks of life I have never ever turned up for second place ever never I've never felt I was the best yeah. I always looked at the crowd and think, I ain't going to be able to do it today. But the minute I step out into that arena, it's it's mine and I have to own it. Whether I was the best or not, I always went in there and winning, of course, winning is everything. Exactly. Winning is everything. If you, you're not teaching people how to lose. I also add to that, I, say, I always say to my students, I goes, if a hundred people turn up in your group, so you've got to fight 100 people. Now, out of the 100 people, there can only be one winner. Mm. Only one person can win out of your group. Does that mean there was one winner and 99 losers? There ain't. They're all winners yeah. for giving it a go. Winner, They're all winners for turning up. Winners and learners, man. Yeah. Winners and learners. Why do I keep Why do I keep stepping into the ring? I'm 62 years old. All I can do is make a monkey of myself now. <laughs> that's all I can do I can't fight like I used to fight I might get the odd thing out every now and again I remember Big Andy Walt I was fighting in the English about three years ago and uh, Big uh, Andy Walters and uh, Mark Walters and uh, Steve Martin all these great fights Steve Martin was uh, wow. European junior European yeah. champion and that and they were all over me thinking oh great to see you again Andy and go what are you doing here I said my bikini I said I'm fighting he goes what well come and watch you fight and they came over to watch me fight and we 
I was fighting a guy, it was actually another guy from Shindakai I was fighting, and uh, both threw a punch, boom, both gacks. I thought mine scored, scored his. Threw two more gacks, I thought mine scored, scored his. Threw two more gacks, you know, join the fight. Yeah. I thought mine scored, scored. I'm 3 0 down here now, I'm thinking oh, I need something bigger here. Watch. No. No. Sweet. Two shots to the head. Bottom leg. <laughs> I mean, if I say I levered in chin eye, I levered in chin, chin eye. And as he Actually, dropped, I, I got him, I held him all the way down, and then come straight over the top of him, gacked him in the chest, pulled back, and to make double, and with a good key eye on it, because I had to do a good yeah. key eye. <laughs> and then went back in with another one. And I tell you what, and I lost on the flags on that one, by the way. Really? I, I lost on flags on that, so I didn't go through to the, uh, that would have been to the semi final. And, uh, but afterwards, talking to Steve, because Steve and uh, Big Andy and that, said it was worth coming here just to watch you do that one technique. Wow. And then we're up. You talk to Jazz or Tubbs or Lorraine, anybody else who was in that auditorium, it was at the, in Sheffield, at Ponds Forge. And, uh, was it Ponds Forge, is it? Yeah, Ponds Forge, yeah. In Sheffield. Yeah. But he, uh, anybody that was there that day, and seeing that technique, it was worth it. Was, it was worth your entry yeah. money. Well, you see, this is the thing, right? But it was a rabbit coming out of the bag, wasn't it? You, yeah, you need to pull something out of the bag. You, you, you got the ace up the sleeve. You see, this is this is the thing, because when I trained with you, I had, I, you know, when it came to competition, you know, I had a real laissez-faire attitude towards it. You know, if I did it, I did it, and if I didn't, I didn't, and it wasn't my primary motivation. And then when I got into jujitsu. Uh, and it, I was still the same, and it was like you know Neil Simpkins there, and you know we, me, you, and Neil trained in the same room when we used to go down and train with Tiki Donovan, when Molly Samuels, who bear in mind Molly, if you're listening, Molly's an MBE, right? And uh, yeah, she's a great girl, and she hit me with a double washigari to the head, and we were talking one day at jujitsu, and I, I, yeah, I was a white belt at the time. And I said to Neil, I said, yeah, yeah, we went down a couple of times to London and trained with Tiki. And he said, when? And I said, oh, I got double washed by uh, Molly. He goes, oh, yeah, she used to do it all the time. And then we started talking. And then it worked out. We'd been in the same room, training together. And I was like, that's like 25, 27 years ago, mate. And he goes, it's probably longer than that. And I went, God. And then one of the guys, he's just got his brown belt, Michael Greenfield. Michael's like, I was there too, because he, he, was, he was a big karate guy as well. And I was like, Wow, and I said, listen guys, I was a meat sack. And they were like, nah man, you love to win. And I was like, nah, nah, not then. And then obviously, Neil Simpkins like, train me, you wanna be a blue belt, you gotta be a British champion. And I went, what? And he went, yeah, he goes, it won't be a lot, two or three fights, that's all you'll have to do. He goes, but you wanna, he goes, I don't have a blue belt that isn't a British champion. I was like, shit. And I went out, first fight, and immediately I was like, this is nowhere near as hard as every Friday night training with Neil. And I fucking, you know, won it. <coughs> and I was like, ah. And it was the first time ever in my life that, and like, what was I, 44, 43? First time in my life that I'd actually won something. Yeah, apart from like a goldfish. And I won, yeah, I won other stuff. But it's like where you've gone in and you've put the time in. And I, went, I, I remember, and I was driving back from the NEC, and I thought to myself, now I get what Andy Margaret was about. And now, now every single time when I say, speak to people, I say, you know, you know who says it's the winning? It's not the winning, it's the taking part. I said, do you know who says that? And the kids are like, who, who? And I'm like, somebody who's never won anything, because it's the greatest feeling in the world. And of course, I've had a few parents go, well, you know, and I went, listen, 
we shouldn't lower the bar so these kids win we should get them to raise their game so they do win and it was like wow and they, and it's mad because it's it's given me a totally different way of looking and it's not like yeah i don't roll i, I wouldn't go in there and fight against the guy and think i beat you on better than you i'd look at it and go do you know what i was lucky today on this if me and you both put the same amount of effort in yeah i've gone up against guys and gone you what prep have you done for this and that's the other thing I, I've done it and not put any prep in here's my mindset yeah yeah I would take I've always taken all my students as high as they could possibly go and I've been blessed to have world champions and British champions European champions we've had them all yeah. come through us so over the years over the 40 years which is next year by the way Woo. 40 years of the club but, uh, but my mindset when Sensi Wayne Otto was uh, England coach um, Obviously, the greatest martial artist, great martial artist, yeah, this country's ever most, seen. Most successful martial artist ever. And should never be forgotten. And now the opportunity to train with him was always something I relished. And I used to go, squad training, take my students who I wanted to train, get yeah. up to that level and get selected. And uh, But I would always go up to Wayne and say, look, I'm here to train, not to select. I says, I... I don't want to sit on the sidelines and watch the training. I'd rather get involved. And he'd always slap me on the back and say, I'm, I'm honoured that you're prepared to give it a go. Yeah, Wayne's a great guy. Great guy. But I tell him up front, and then I go on the mat and train like a dog as if I was trying to select. Yeah. I, I wasn't trying to select. I never stopped back for selections. I'm talking about when Wayne was... Back in the day when Sensi Donovan was, I, I did try and select. Obviously. Yeah. But he... Uh, but I would, my mindset is... I'd rather be on the mat than sit and watch somebody train. I'm still going this weekend. I've, uh, <clears throat> I've got training tonight, two, one session, two sessions tomorrow. On Saturday, I've got two hours of squad training with um, Sensi Winston, uh, Winston Williams. Right. He's, uh, he's what a guy coach. So I shall do the two hours of squad training, train, yeah. and then there's an half hour break, and then I'll do two hours CASA training with uh, Sensei Sakagami. So uh, t this is what I wanted to get you because I know but that Why you... am I still doing the squad training? Yeah. Why? Yeah, why? And I'm injured. I've got injuries. You see me walking to yeah, this back, yeah. back room. I walk with a limp now. But he, uh, <clears throat> and that's not, not because it's hanging one side. <laughs> I walk with a limp because I'm an old school pimp. Uh -huh. But he, um, I, I'm old school. I'd rather train. I'd just rather get on and train. You never stop learning. No, you know I dread to think what I've forgotten. But he, and I enjoy doing my best, giving it a go. Yeah, you know. I, the good thing about training at Wadakai Wada as well, I'm under the radar there. I just go in there as Mister Nobody. I wear a blue belt <laughs> or a red belt. I don't wear me me me, no. uh, me, me big belt and that, and uh, and I just train. It's funny. It's funny you said that. Well, I was talking to talking to a friend of mine yesterday. I have to tell you and tell the audience as well. I can't kick above waist height anymore because I'm hey, sitting here you... with a metal metal hip. I'm sitting here with a metal hip and arthritis on the other hip. Small and my back's playing up. Anybody yeah, who's used, trained, you used to used to kill it. The Shira Mawash, Mawashi Gary, unbelievable. I trained hard and paying for it now. Paying, yeah, I'm paying the paying the fiddler now. Really? What what advice would you give to a younger Andy Margaret? Uh, train train smart. Don't train hard. Train smart. Yeah, listen to your coaches. Modern day coaches know all the right ways of doing things now. 
but do you know what this is one thing I, I always I always say like and, uh, it's a shame that this one isn't visual because you'd be able to see Sensei Andy's face right now when we say this years ago we we had like yeah kibidachi up against the wall so the horse stands up against the wall and like you couldn't lean against the wall building up the legs the whole lot doing the punches great yeah the squats great go lower with your squat mick yeah yeah i will how many times did you tell me to squat lower and i would never let my bum go lower than my knees right and then it was like ducky walks right and we go to do the ducky walks and Andy was like everyone go around ducky walk ducky walk and i'm like ah and it'd be like mick 20 press-ups, 20 press-ups, Mick, 100 sit-ups, and I'm like, yeah, I need to work on my abs anyway. And I've always said this because there were certain things, and it was old school because we never questioned. And I was like, this doesn't feel good. My knees are screaming at me. I don't think I'm doing it. And then you, it was really funny because you'd be raging and go, do a thousand sit-ups then. And I'm like, yeah, cool, I can do that. Cause the six pack I can live with. <laughs> the bad knees I couldn't. But it was. But we 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 knew no different. We the thought hard, hard. The hardest man. And we'd be trying to figure out where you where I got all this hard training from, or or why I trained so hard. I was blessed because <clears throat> since Barry Tatlow, he um, he always used to have one of the great Wado martial artists down, uh, Sensei Pete Spanton. Oh Jesus! Now, Pete Spanton was the hardest Tough man dude, I man. ever met. And to this day, I often wonder why Barry had uh, Pete down. Well, you wouldn't a... put those two together because Barry Tatlow's an easygoing guy. And, like, you know, if you don't know who Pete Spanton is, then shame on you. But he was, like, he had a stare on him, like Hannibal Lecter. He was a very intense looking man, anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, it, like, yeah, he had lies like lasers that had. He was a brilliant martial artist. Yeah, and he was the, the greatest water man that I've ever trained with. Really, he was he was that good. I, I put him right up there. But every Sunday, when we had him down, he would kick Barry all around the gym. He would fight Barry so yeah. hard, he would batter him. And I'm thinking, why'd you invite him down? Yeah, but Barry kept him. Barry was an anomaly because you looked at Barry. You know, and he, he didn't have an athletic build, no. and he's still the same shape today as he it was the day I started training with him. With the old glasses you know, on him yeah, and all of that. And I, I know he's got a few health issues at the moment, but he hasn't changed. And I remember standing in front of him one time, and I, I threw a punch, and as I threw it, boom, I was on the floor. I stood up, moving around him again, threw another punch at him, boom, I was on the floor. I was only a low grade at the time, yeah. by the way. And I, I got up, and this happened about five times. And I went, okay, Barry, you got me. What am I doing wrong? Yes. That every time I throw this punch at you, you'll put me on my ass. And what it was is just before I, I would always leave with my front leg and reach out, and he could see that front leg coming out, and he knew hey. that punch was going to come out. Exactly that train's never late, is it? No. We we had that with jujitsu today. We were talking about it. And Neil Simpkin had said we were setting up this. Basically, you you were so for the benefit of the guys listening. You're setting up a guy in side control and what you're trying to do is you're doing a transitional thing so jiu-jitsu is all about you know karate we we think that it's all about the gakazuki or the mawashigari and that's just the money shot yeah it's everything else that comes before that and we were doing this situation where we were trying to get the guy to escape and all the white belts were like wow you know what he's doing and i turned around and i just went when you know what time the bus is arriving, you don't even need to, you can just jump on. You go, the, that's never late. That bus always comes at quarter past three. 
if you control the clock and they were like wow and it is the truth it's like the minute you saw that boom you go because when you were talking about it i was just thinking about another guy uh steve cattle didn't look like a martial artist another, another did he sadly gone no yeah. he didn't have no, the glasses yeah. baldy head bald the comb over yeah not very big yeah but he was <laughs> he come from a school of hard knocks so didn't he he was a tough tough man so i'll tell you what now who have you trained with that really put an impact on your training well greg wallace yeah greg wallace was the the turning point in 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 my career i mean i enjoyed I, I was say blessed with training with Barry for just under seven years, and during that time he used to take me over to uh, the temple over in Birmingham. Yeah, um, he used to train on a Monday night, and it got to be every Monday night. And at the end of the session, uh, when Sensitive Kamazawa had finished teaching, he always used to say, "Them's that want to stay on for fighting can stay on for fighting." Well, eighty percent of the class went. Yeah, and only them's that wanted it. Yeah. Stayed now. If you stayed, you were going to be staying to fight the likes of Eugene Codrington, <laughs> Clay Moraine, uh, Francis Moncrief, Big Mac McKenzie, Joe 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 Johnson, Joe Johnson, Joe, Joe J. Yeah, yeah, Joe Johnson. You know the list goes on, and you get. It was like being lined up at uh, the Valentine Massacre. Oh yeah, you'd yeah. Have, yeah. <laughs> you'd have seven, seven or eight. But he great fighters on one side, all yeah. from the temple, and then people like myself stood on the other side, thinking, "What? You, Why am I here? What? Yeah." But that's what I learned, and uh, we touched on it earlier. Why would you want to be a big fish in a in a big in a small pond? You know, if I, you want to become a big fish, you got to go and swim. You got to go and swim with these. And we took when we were talking before we was recording. You were talking about somebody, uh, Sensei Dan, Dan Asanto, knows your name now. He knows yeah. you as Mick. Right, now, Mike. Oh, you know. He calls me Mike, which is, that's pretty close. But afterwards, my, my uh, hero at that particular time, he never actually won a world title, uh, was Eugene Codrington, because I just got yeah. training with him. Yeah. And um, we went to the pub one night after training, and Sensei comes out, giving the money to get around in for everybody. So I was at the bar. Next thing I know, I had a touch on my shoulder. And the arm was across my shoulder and this bloke leaned forward and he says Andy I don't want a drink and I looked he got oh look it was Eugene Codrington and he knew your name and he'd said my name yeah and that to me was everything he just put his arm around my shoulder and says look Andy I'm not staying for a drink I've got to go and I thought he knows my name yeah and that was enough for me because that's where I had him you yeah know. well this yeah I had I remember the first time right we were, I was down in Bournemouth and we were training. I've been doing the JKD for a couple of years, maybe two years or something. And my mate, really dear friend of mine, Josh Siddiqui, like, uh, he says to me, he goes, do you want to come out for a meal tonight with Guru? And I went, Guru Dan? And he went, yeah. And I wasn't training with Terry Barnett at the time. I was training with a guy in Coventry. And uh, I, uh, I was like, really? And he went, yeah, come on. So I go there and I'm sitting around this table and you remember how many magazines I used to buy. I bought every single karate magazine, martial art. I did, I bought all, like you had fighters. So you had fighters magazine, you had uh, traditional karate, you had combat, you had uh, martial arts illustrated. Terry O'Neill had Terry O'Neill's fighting arts. So at one stage it was like five magazines a month and I would buy all of them. And I'm there and I'm just, and like, bear in mind now, like the, the crack is now, I'm like 31, 31, 32. And I'm sitting around the table 
and there's Bob Breen, there's Terry Barnett, there's Phil Norman, there's Ralph Jones there, right? Um, uh, Joel, Joel Clark's, uh, Guru Joel Clark from America, he was there, and Guru wasn't feeling well, so he didn't come for the mill. Paul Kelly was there, right? But I was there, and they were like, yeah, the guys were like, oh yeah, it's a shame, you know, that Guru couldn't make it, and I was like, they, they were a bit bummed out about it, a couple of guys were <laughs> bummed out about it, and I turned around, and I was like, I can't believe it, and I sat down, it was pretty much the first time that I'd actually really sat down and spoke to especially Ralph Jones who is just a wonderful man and I was chatting away to him and it was you know, we just had a great time uh, actually it wasn't in Bournemouth it was Scotland that's where the brain's gone now right so it's in Edinburgh and I was there and I remember I remember actually sitting there thinking how am I sitting at this table and I turned around to my friend Paul Kelly and I said to him, I went, I can't believe it. He goes, these are guys I used to read about in magazines. Yeah, yeah. How am I sitting down at this table? And uh, Paul turned around, he goes, maybe the question is, Mick, why weren't you sitting at that table 10 years ago? And I was like, wow. And then, you know, Bob Breen said it, and this is a guy, even now, you know, I look up to him, and the fact that he knows, the fact he knows who I am. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Terry Barnett said the same thing. He said, that, you know, yeah, Guru Dan called him Tony for three years, and he goes the first time that he just even got his name almost right. He was like, I, I can't believe it, and it's mad because I really believe there's, especially now more than ever, with the way that the family families have changed, and some ways good, some ways bad. You know, I've got friends of mine, uh, two girls uh, who are married to each other. They've got two kids. And they're doing awesome, and I've got loads of single mother friends. They're doing great as well. But there's a, especially for young men, there's a real need to be a decent, a decent role model. And to, like, yeah, you want to use the word hero, but it, it, it's I can't think of a better adjective. Can you? No, I'm yeah. just seeing part of my good friend flying. No way! It's the wind. It's well, the while wind. I'm here, I'll do a prize for you. How's that? I don't even do that. Quality work, reasonable let me, rates. Let me tell you about the uh, the time I was spent at uh, at the temple, like you know, because the temple was the dojo, you know, in the Midlands. That's where everybody went. That's where all the cream was. All the England fighters at that particular time were coming out of there. They weren't coming out of yeah, Sensi Donovan's dojo. So it was a great, great time to be training there, and. I, I knew that if I wanted to fight these people on the circuit, I had to train with them in the dojo to take away that mystique, that that little oh, oh, yeah, humanise them, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah had yeah. to rather than just look at the demon when you step stepped out in the ring. Yeah. thinking there's no way you can beat them. If you can train with this individual, then you can fight that individual. Yes, you take you. I call it stealing from people. Right, you're stealing from them. You're you're, you're taking something from them. Yeah, that they if you if they didn't know you, they would still have. Yeah, <laughs> in the that's ring. a good way of looking and, at it. Yeah. Um, I was taking my first queue, and uh, it was all arranged. So I was going uh, sent to Kamazawa was going to take me for my first queue in the temple. And uh, when we say a temple, it was just like a but downstairs of a warehouse. Did you ever go to? The yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the warehouse. It was, yeah, it was, it was literally a downstairs room in a, it's in a warehouse in, in Dickworth. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was a, it was a great dojo. Um, God bless him. He, he ran a he ran a great school and a great association. Terror. Yeah. And uh, that's another story. Terror Nationals. But um, we got a third of the way into the lesson, and uh, Barry reminded uh, Sensei Takamasa that I was taking the taking my first first cue, 
And he says, oh, all right, all right. So he sat everybody down. That means he sat the likes of Eugene and everyone else down. Yeah. And they all sat to the outside of this dojo. And so they were all on the on the edges of the dojo. So they're all in the dojo. And he got me up on my own. And so yeah. sent it to Gamzao down one end and me down the other end. And he made me do my whole grading in front wow. of all my peers. Everybody I that I thought you know, they were all gods to me. Yeah. That they were all sat around that dojo. And I took my first grade in there. And at the end of the, uh, let me tell you, at the end, I always remember it to this day, that during Kashenku, there was a line on the floor and I thought, and I had to do the jump at the end. And I, and I made that line. I had to jump like eight foot or whatever wow. to make that line. And I thought, I've nailed this line. You know, I didn't have to do any fighting, by the way. And just traditional stuff. Yeah. And Graydon finished. And we got on with the training. Carried on training. Same as before. Went to the pub afterwards, having a drink in it. And I kept saying to Barry, Barry, go and ask him. Go and ask him. Wow. Have I passed? <laughs> <laughs> and he come back and said, yeah, of course you passed. Oh, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was a grade, isn't it? That is a grade, isn't it? That is. Yeah, well, I've got some pressure. great gradings. Let me tell you about another grading as well. And to know, where, to know me is the, the sort of man I am. Um, I just train hard. Yeah. I do train hard. I still train hard. I do the best I can. And I lead by example, and I have the right then to criticise that people don't <laughs> people that don't step up to the same mark. Oh. I have earned the right. Do you know why I'm moan. so opinionated? Because it's taken a lot of work to get this opinionated. Yeah, but that's what it is. Yeah. And uh, oh, the grading. Yeah, it was down in Southampton, and I was taking my third down on a on a basket grading panel, and Wayne Burgess was taking his second down. Right. And um, we went through all the grading. Now we did the punches, and I give everything into the punching, punching, and he sat, sat us down. So I meditated, to try and get get over, give everything to the punches. Then he goes up for the kicks and the stuff, and I did the kicks and everything. And then again, he sat us down, and I give everything in the kicks, and I sat down, I had to meditate, get my mind right, because I was tired, giving everything. Right, yeah. you know? I wasn't holding anything back. And then obviously went into pair work and the fighting and everything, and then the catters and that, give everything into the catters. And at the end of the grade, and I thought. It's not good enough. It ain't good enough. Oh, I'm gonna fail. That's not good enough. Went into the changing room afterwards before the presentation, and Wayne was in there. I'm, I mean, if Wayne was set, set where you are now, I'd, set, I'd tell him the same story. He knows the story, and Wayne was full of himself. Now, during that grading, um, they asked the panel asked Wayne to get up and do his favourite kata. Never asked anybody else to do it. They asked him to do at the end yeah do his favorite cut now that would be telling you something oh well i'd be going right <laughs> they I'll need do, to see yeah. something here yeah he picked nyanchi right okay. which is the shortest when i say it's easiest it's all about the stance in yes nyanchi and it's just a straight line cutter one of my no favorite cutters yeah, it's yeah a i tough like one. it it's a tough one but it's not Kishenku. No. It's not Chinto. No. It's not Basai Dai. It ain't Sai Shan. It, it ain't Sai Shan. It ain't something you're going to have to give a bit of fl flowery to, you know, yeah. flourish to it. And uh, so he did it. I mean, he's in the change room afterwards and he was giving it the large, saying, oh, I've done well here. I've done, oh, I really think I've done well, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm, now I'm going to pass and everything. And I thought, yeah, you did well. You know, I wasn't bothered to look at him during the great Yeah, I was, I was, too, busy, I was too busy making my ass work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we've got, we're all lined up for the presentation. And Greg's got all the license, the licenses and the certificate inside the license, and he's given them out. He's given them out, and then there's two people left. There's me and him left. So I was taking the highest grade. Yeah. He was taking the next highest grade. Yeah. 
and Greg's only got one license in his hand. So well, I'm no. stood there thinking, oh well. Yeah. Because I forget, Wayne's been in the changing room giving it the large one, saying how good he's done. And I'm in the changing room going exactly the same, the opposite. Yeah. Saying, oh, not good out. enough. Yeah. Not good enough. Should have done better. I could have done better than this. And that could have been better than that. Should have done this. Should have done that. So also I'm just standing there making sure that I was going to be okay preparing for failure yes and Greg says I'm proud to announce that we have a new third down in the association and then of course then you're trying to flick that back into your head yes and <laughs> I'm thinking that must be me, me. <laughs> yeah and same thing poor, poor old Wayne failed and, and I passed but because it's never good enough and that's what if you want to know why I'm still here today because it's never good enough. No, but do you it's know what? It's never good enough. It, That's why I'm still looking for another wife. <laughs> don't say that. No, I tell you what. It's funny you said that because uh, I don't think I've ever shared this story uh, on the podcast. But you got a picture of the scene, right? So my son Jack, you've you've known Jacks all his life, right? So he was never never in. You no, know, he's a lovely guy. He's a teacher history teacher and he's never really been interested in martial arts and I've never pushed him now my middle boy Charlie loved martial arts black belt with me before he's four, 15 but Jack's there and he's always into the MMA and then he starts doing BJJ with me and I'm just so ha so happy mm. and we're going up there and I'd been a blue belt probably three years by this stage I won the British Open at it uh, you know silvered as well uh, you know a couple of times and you know I was just enjoying the fact that I was a blue belt and you know I was keeping an eye on the purple belt because the blue belt bl blue belt is where they all drop out mm -hmm. purple belt is when you start getting into the 10% brown belt is when you start getting into the 1% yeah and then like it's like it's like one in one in 1,000 people who start Brazilian Jiu Jitsu make to make it a black belt that's what they reckon, right? Well, it used to be that way in Cry. Yeah, exactly. It used to be. Yeah, but that's why. More. Yeah, but that's Every why. Every man and his dog can get a. Yeah, but, black, yeah, but this cry. is why BJJ is so strict <coughs> on, their, on their grading still. So, of course, I'm there and we're training, and one of the guys who trains with us, and bear in mind, you've got a, an advanced class and you've got a fundamentals class. And I'd already done the advanced class, but I stayed on for the fundamentals with my son. And Neil Simpkins taking it. And I'm like, Neil never takes the fundamentals class. And I'm there with a really dear friend of mine, Sean Highway, who started jiu-jitsu at the same time as Neil, really. Well, he was one of Neil's first students. And this guy is tough. Like, Andy, when I say he's tough, you'd love him. Sean Highway is, like, when you fight him, it's like fighting in the UFC in the 90s. This guy will bat you at jiu-jitsu, he'll hit you. So we're there and we're training and get to the end. And there's never, an, never a promotion in a fundamentals class certainly not to any of the bit maybe a couple of the guys might get might get their they might get a blue belt so of course one of the guys gets his blue belt and i'm just made up for him because he's a friend of mine rob and he's oh, i'm just so made up for this kid so he's got it and then calls out sean highway and me and sean have been training all night together and neil calls him out and he says you know he's been with me for so many years so it's a great honor and uh he gets him out and what in BJJ what you do is you, your instructor takes your belt off you and then you put the belt and he ties the belt back on you the new belt right and uh, you get whipped whipped as well which I'll tell you all about in a minute because it's everyone's like I want to get the belt and you go you don't want the fucking whipping as well because <laughs> uh, literally you look like you've just been like you look like a Tory MP literally <laughs> both times I've been whipped I haven't let my wife see my back afterwards because she, she wouldn't let me go training after that yeah. so anyway Neil turns around and he says, uh, Sean's belt's not done up. His belt's 
not doing don't know can you do it up for him and I, I was like I, I was like a bit odd but yeah so bear in mind I've I've don't think I've improved at all right so I go up and I go to tie up tie up Sean's belt and I go I feel like Mr Miyagi I was saying I feel like Mr Miyagi in the Old Valley so I do it tie it and then Neil turns around to me and he says yeah but your belt isn't tied up correctly and I'm like this and it's the same motion where you know where you go in and he went look at it and I went no it's all right and then he just goes ah and he pulls out the purple belt for me and I was like <laughs> I, I I was like I thought I was another year minimum and he was like it always comes when you don't expect it and I was like that going and it was it was bizarre because I was made up for my friends and it wasn't there wasn't one point where I was going what about me I was just like this going Oh man, that now I'm gonna have to work now. Uh, if Sean beats me, it's okay because he's a purple belt. Rob gets me now, it's okay because he's a blue belt. We're roughly the same now, and uh, it was easily to this point in BJJ, it was easily my best and worst thing ever to happen to me, because when when you're a blue belt, you're allowed to have a bit of failure. So you know it's like you get beat. Guy comes in, he's never done any training before. He gets a good position on you. You can't escape. Yeah, you just hold them off and that. Yeah, no. Blue belt, guy with a couple of stripes on you, catches you out, no big deal. You're a high blue, so you're three or four stripes. Guy's just got his blue, he gets you out. Ah, it doesn't really matter, you're the same belt. Get to a purple, and literally I've had a year of defending the fucking belt every time. And I'm, and it's, I'm only just starting to get to the point, and I, I said it today to Neil. I was like, I'm just now starting to get to the point where I actually feel like I should be wearing this belt. That's after a year of wearing it. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, but you, you, a lot of people have to grow into it. He goes, that's that's the deal. Did, did you ever find that? With, did you, the minute I remember you telling me once, that when you put the black belt on and you know that you've earned it, you'll feel it. And you said to me, you'll never remember being any other belt. You can't remember. You just always... I, d I don't. I was... I was Hopping on about something earlier about what belts and uh, at what point in your in your martial career that you, you go back to. I remember I said I got I trained six months and got six months hard and got my my first belt and worked hard for that. And then when it came to my yellow belt, again worked hard. Don't know how long it was, but obviously near six months again. But that's trained three or four times a week now. Yeah, and training hard. And we went out. In the evening, I passed. I passed in the afternoon. We went down to the Whitley Abbey pub that was at Whitley Abbey School. Yeah, and I was with Billy Evans and, and Miriam, and uh, we were sat down having a drink. And then they gave me my yellow belt. And I goes, "How come you got that?" And I goes, "Well, we knew you're going to pass today. You're going to pass your yellow belt." And I goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, we knew you'd pass." And I goes, "Well, I didn't." No, we knew you'd pass. And I thought, well, "I didn't think I was going to pass. I didn't think yeah. it was good enough." And even at that level. Yeah. Didn't think it was good enough. No. You know. Yeah, but it's, it's always been that way, Michael. Yeah, but complacency is the one thing. Now we're going to wrap it up on two questions. First of all, if you could have trained with anybody, because you you've trained with some absolute legends, right? If you could have trained with anybody in the world ever, who would it be and why? On a regular basis or as a one-off? Yeah, you can answer both of those. You can have, yeah, I'm, I'm, be, I'm, I'm feeling generous. You can answer both of them. To live in the real world and to say somebody I would, I've always looked up to and, and could I have gone further than I did, 
then you could look no further than the greatest coach that this this country has ever seen, probably the world has ever seen. Yeah. Whether he actually gets that acknowledgement, I don't know. But since he Donovan, Tiki was something else, wasn't he? If he was nearer, I mean, like, obviously, like you, you travel the travel the country to train with great individuals yeah. now, and people do do that. But he uh, and I've had people coming from as far away as Wales on a regular basis to yeah. come and train with me. And you you ask the question why why would you make that effort? Yeah, because you're not thinking the way they're thinking. No, you no, know, they see they see something they want. They're prepared to make the effort yeah. to come and get it. But yeah, I think if I had the opportunity and I was starting again and I knew what I knew now, then obviously since Tiki Donovan would have been yeah. the uh, the individual I, that could have take, taken me places probably I, I could only dream of. Yeah, you, you you see this is you just hit on something there. Nowadays. I, I think nothing of going right, you know, everyone says to me, you, you train in Warsaw, that's miles away. And I'm like, it's 35 minutes in a car. Mm. And then the, the, I've got a couple of mates of mine like, yeah, but you, you go past four, four jiu-jitsu schools. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not my jiu-jitsu school. And you know, and it's, you have to find the guy. Yeah, like I said, I've been really lucky. Like Neil Simpkins, but Neil Simpkin has been the one guy Especially here, you know, when I used to, when I was training, we, you know, I've told you this before. We used to do myself and Al Peasland used to do a hundred and eighty mile round trip every Tuesday to train with Terry Barnett. And the only times that I didn't do it was when I was on holiday. That was it. The only times. And everyone's like, "Why would you do it?" And I'm like, "Because that's a genius. This guy's where it's at. You got to do it." But back in the day when we first started. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why guys like Rick Young and Bob Breen were such heroes of mine, because going to America to train, now that's commitment. You know, cause I remember the first time you went over to Nichidai University, and you, I remember when you came back, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you came back and you were like, don't train as hard as we do. And I was like, but it's... I was shocked. Yeah, you were. I remember you telling me. I enjoyed training. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the whole experience of being able to train at Tokyo University and to train with the Grandmaster it is home dojo yeah Hirona uh, Sukasensi yeah and get to train with his son who is now the Grandmaster yeah so it was a great experience um, I was and it's important to remember this one of the great martial artists in this town has ever seen I mean the likes of Dev are great yeah down to the fact the people who he trained with now the Jacksons and yeah. like, on about Michael. Yes. <laughs> Mick and Rick. <laughs> Mick and Rick Jack. Well Rick Ricky was was your man. And uh, Mick Jackson. The, together they were great and Chico as well. And they used to come up Barry's every now and again and do a bit of training, but they were living legends in this town. Oh. And still are for the old school. Well I do you know what? School. If I could get hold of Rick Jackson, I would but like Rick Jackson he it literally he's okay again now he he, he, he um he, he went off he gave he, he came off the grid a bit there just for a, a little bit yeah he did yeah because he was driving around one of the students bought him a car he didn't he, he didn't want any trappings of anything yeah yeah and uh and apparently like, he's fine again now he's well he's where he is though. well people don't people don't understand like especially yeah if we just use coventry as an example but we can use the uk as well because he was a trailblazer he went over to japan and as i've said before yeah i've got some great japanese friends and they're awesome and they are awesome but you what you but's always a bad word when you hear it right but the thing is the japanese mindset is completely different the japanese mindset not so much now but back in that generation where they were superior to you 
that's why that's why you speak to a couple of old uh, you know prisoners of war from the, who who had any time with the Japanese. They were like, no, don't even speak it to me. Why not? You have no idea. And of course, it was they, it was you were dehumanised to a point. And I remember Bob Breen and Rick, uh, Bob Breen and Ralph Jones told me when they were over there and said it was it was tough. And I said, yeah, I heard I heard about Rick Jack. And they were like, no, not what Rick had. Like Rick was Rick. Rick was I, like sleep on the floor, I, eat scraps like a dog. Before I went to to train in Japan, I knew Rick had been through it. Yeah. So I went to see him at the Olympia. He used to run. He used to yeah, be manager did, at the Olympia. Yeah. He used to look after the weights gym that there. And I sat down with him, and um, we had a good rattle, like we're rattling now. And he told me all about his time in Japan and how they he had to make them accept him because they didn't accept him at the start no they, they wouldn't they it was again she the weak westerner and they battered him the first time he went there they really battered him and then he, he he came back and they battered him again and he went back and they battered him again and this went on for a couple of months but he kept going back and eventually they get sick they don't accept you they just get sick of battering you yeah, it's like right. i said before eventually yeah, it's like me i've I, I i'm not good i haven't got good at jiu-jitsu i'm just running out anybody of ways of being knows, shit at anybody it. knows yeah uh, Ricky Jackson knows he has pop out eyes. His eyes, he got, he got a man, man nutrition, yeah. Because he just trained. He had no money. He just trained. You know, didn't eat well. Just trained hard. Didn't eat well. When an ounce of fat on him, when he came back, his eyes were popping out. Of his yeah, head. yeah. The old Mike, Mike Feldman, Mike Feldman, yeah, Mike Feldman, nutrition and that. And he told me all these stories. And now they used to batter him and that. So before I, I went to see him to make sure I was ready when I went. So I went with the same mindset that he came back with. He probably went there not knowing what was going to happen. Mm. I went knowing what was going to happen. But when I got there, it, times had changed. Yeah. I had to ask people to fight. Wow. I had to ask people, do you want to fight? Can we, can we spar? Can we do? Nobody wanted to fight me. No, when he, even at Nishida University, at the end of the first training session, he's, uh, it was the Tanabe brothers. And it was amazing because one of the Tanabe brothers had had a stroke and he was running the class and he could not move. He could move his fingers and he had the, the senior uh, student uh, whispering in his ear and then the senior student would tell us what to do in that light, you know. And then he sat everybody down and he got two two fighters up and they fought, sat down, and got two more fighters up, sat down and I thought, hey, I'm up for this. And I sat there ready for my turn to get me up. And why wouldn't he use me? Yeah. Why wouldn't he use me till his fighters could practice on the Westerners? Yeah. Like, you know. Never asked me. In the end, he didn't. He didn't want me to fight. Just showing, showing his fighters off. Like, yeah. Wow. But I got. I was only. I was training at Nishida University. I was blessed by training with Sensei Kobayashi. Now, don't, people don't know that Sensei Kobayashi used to train in England, and because uh, when they come out of Nishida University as uh, graduated from Nishida University, they get farmed out around the world. Yes. And he was lucky enough to come to the Midlands and that, and he trained. At, this is a great story because I was. I was at uh, Sensei Kobayashi's dojo in the foothills of Mount Fuji and we just finished a great training session and in this training session it was a great honour for me because he asked me to teach something. He says, show them a, a, what you would call a typical European kick. So I showed them something fancy and then he, they drilled it. Then he said to me again, I was with two other guys as well. I was yeah. with John Parkhouse and um, Jerry Cole. Jerry Cole, yeah. Um, God bless a pair of them, they, they were great to go away with. But he, he said, show him something else. So I showed him something else like fancy and that like, you know. And, he, and then he asked me to show him something else again. He never asked the others. Wow. He only asked me to teach. And I wow. thought, that's, that was a big honor for me, like, yeah. you know. And, uh, and I never forgot it. 
but I was in his changing room and in his office he said get changed in the office we're getting changed in the office and I, you know something just stands out just for argument's sake then that, that music sheet there yeah just, something was drawing me to the picture and it was the picture of Charles Moore community I don't know if you know Mickey Bowes yeah yeah yeah, but yeah. It, it was a picture of uh, the Charles Moore Karate Club and Jazz DeSange was on that picture now he was I didn't know future down the road he was going to come yes. training with me but uh, there was a picture of him and, and the Charles and that was Prada Place on his desk in the middle of nowhere in Japan wow and that's how small that's the world is serendipity right there man that's how small the world is so we covered it on the Tiki Donovan and we went oh, down that way down when we came back yeah where it was uh, Paul Campbell still runs the UK UK Open this yeah. is when it was massive everybody any great fight was going was going we went there and uh, our good friend uh, Jeff Thompson was selling his first book yes my back and he was there selling it and uh, of course I was there fighting his, his daughters were there as well and they thought oh, I was the Dr. Kahuna's lot you know but when I came back because I trained so hard to go out to Japan and I didn't get what I wanted when I came back I was an absolute devil when I came back yeah I was lean mean and I just wanted to frustrated fight. as well and yeah I went to the UK Open and you know what? I didn't win any I didn't win the heavyweight I didn't win the team and that but at the end uh, Paul always put this um, one big massive trophy out fighter of the day yeah and I got the fighter of the day really and I didn't want anything <laughs> that's how good I was fighting or how mean I was fighting wow I got the fighter of the day yeah wow. uh, I still hold that up as down to the fact of my preparation to go to Japan. Yeah. tell you what sometimes you get prepared for something then life throws something else in your way don't get rid of all that prep yeah, yeah that's I, I use this all the time about training I'm like well what you're learning to because I always say I'm not teaching your kid to fight I'm teaching them to be a black belt in life that's right what do you mean well they're gonna face adversity they're gonna have the opportunity to you know pussy out and they're just gonna take it head-on and you know what well, I use this a lot. I always say one of the reasons I always love Wadaroo was because my mentality I want to believe is Shotokan. Forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards. And I'm not really, because I'm quite, I'm quite good at behavioural flexibility. And the Tai Sabaki and the Wado, because problems coming in, yeah, I just step to the side and bang him on the back of the head when he goes past. And I'm like, that's how I deal with nearly everything in life. You know, I've done the two goats locking the horns together. It doesn't work, it doesn't work. So if it was somebody just that you could train with once then or meet uh, now here's a better one we'll walk away from the training and the martial arts yeah but you know one who person. i would say don't you i mean to me you've been in my my garage yeah there's only there's only one person who's inspired me through my whole career i even took a picture of him to the barber and said <laughs> i want my picture yeah. my hair exactly like that picture who lee marvin <laughs> <laughs> Raquel Welsh. Uh, Raquel Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was obviously be the... Be Bruce. Be Bruce Lee, yeah. And what... Yeah, because... Like, you got to remember, I have guys that, from all ages are listening. So a lot of the older guys, this is the one thing, right? Rick Fay always says when he goes to seminars and he says, you know, Bruce Lee, and they go, who's he? Jet Lee's dad? You know, and it's it's the truth because now... You, but, yeah, it, but he's, he's more of a cultural icon than anything, yeah, isn't he? generation don't know him. Yeah. You know, I, I, I say to the kids, do, have you... Do you know who Bruce Lee is? You're like this, right? You're like this. Uh, Danny Osanto, like when you, t when, whenever he talks about Bruce, you get, because he, he, I, I think I told you before, he get, he does get quite emotional about it, yeah, because it was his best friend, and it's still, still quite raw, 
you know the whole the whole thing not just this friendship and him dying but the aftermath of it all yeah. and everything as well right um and i said to him one because we were talking about training and having dinner and i was sitting opposite him and he was saying so, you know how did you start off in martial arts and i said well i started in karate i said uh i, I said I, I saw some of the wing chun i liked that and i said to tell you nothing but the truth it was I was quite lucky because it was the second gym that I'd walked into and I just found and I said my instructor was awesome and I said uh, I said in fact I said what he'd do is when he'd teach you he'd actually say to say to you that do you know who told, told me that Bruce Lee told me that in a dream that's one of your lines right <laughs> I still use it you still do it I still use it yeah? that's for sure and he was like really and I went yeah I said he's a huge Bruce Lee fan and yeah. uh is that, like, it was mad because you didn't even know I taught Jeet Kune Do. What did you think I taught? I know. Well, the thing is, let me tell you the uh, the breakdown of it all. When I started karate, karate was it. Didn't care about judo, boxing, or anything like that. Karate was what it was all about. And then I realised after training with a, well, fighting a great friend of mine, buddy, um, Jeff Thompson. Yeah. And uh, I realised there was something missing in my martial arts. Yeah, I could do all this tappy tappy stuff, move around, dodge it, dodge it, move, get a point, move away fight gets stopped. In a real fight, I don't know how I was going to back it up. Yeah. So from there, I went to the judo. And I did judo with, with Bruce at the uh, oh, Neil Adams. Yeah, Neil Adams. Adams. Future, yeah, yeah, Future Fitness. The Wednesday yeah, yeah. yeah. On the Wednesday night class. And, and that was thrown into the, the high grade class straight off. Never taught how to break fall. No. They assumed, because we were black belts, they assumed we knew that. And then from there, I, I did a bit of the, I didn't actually go in the cage or anything, but I did the, uh, the Greco and the Sambo wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then it took somebody like Bruce Lee, and I don't just use his name because it's Bruce Lee, but it took somebody like him to say, well, I, I, what's your style? And I have no style. Yeah. Because he, he embraced all the styles, didn't he? He embraced the boxing, yeah. the, the judo, the wrestling, the karate. Everything. Everything. He embraced it all. And if you just stick to one style, then you ain't going anywhere, are you? Well, yeah, yeah. This is the thing. Like a lot of people, lot, lot of people who wouldn't, who wouldn't know you, wouldn't realise, you know, that you're a pretty accomplished musician, yeah, which you are. Yeah, like, but you, you. I remember you telling me this, and I've used this as well when I've been teaching. I can't remember if it was, uh, if it was the Stack or Yellow Pages, which band it was. They were both. But, but we yeah, stacking it. Too, yeah, yeah. Pages. But w which one was the one where you guys would go in a circle? And you'd play a song, so you play you play the guitar, and then the drummer would go and he'd move. And I remember you telling me that you ha you had it where you could play one song each as you went round. Uh, you're, you're confused with the story. Oh, it wasn't our band? Oh, I thought it was your it band. Was a band. It was a great country band. That was, this band could have actually made it big time. This would have been your, your Beatles of, of that era, lot, you know. And they were called the Seagulls, and. Uh, they used to move from one instrument to the other, like you know. Yeah, well, I couldn't actually. Oh, I, when I was in the band. I could only sing. I thought you were guitaring when you were in the band as well. I, I, only when I left. Really? Only when I left, and I picked it up and started to learn enough to get myself on stage, and then I've taken it from there. Fair play. And now I've got the keyboard in front of me, and I'm now learning to play the keyboard. Yeah. So I tell you what. This is going to be the final thing. I'm not going to play some it for you. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was trying to get him to do it. I was trying to get him to do it. Uh, if there's one thing that you'd like to learn now and excel at because obviously uh 
we all have to be realistic as like yeah age is the one opponent that beats us all eventually right yes uh and and i am wrestling hard with him at a oh yeah and but the, the yeah there's you you've got you've got two ways you can have a slight easy gradient into old age or you can go fucking careering down it like it you know you're on the log flume you know you got you got those two options right and there comes a point i personally think it's about 45 about 45 years of age you got to look at it and go do you know what now i do is maintenance now that, uh, what i do is i maintain the skills and i hope that i don't lose yeah because there's there's going to be you know yourself the one thing that you lose the, the, the last thing you lose is the shot you know because everything else but that what that one that changes it never goes because the timing and everything else is still there but so for martial arts we're both in that situation now where we're just in the maintenance that's what I am. I'm in the maintenance. And you the can't teaching. be Michael. I was virtually in the prime of my life. Yeah, well, age. you know what? Uh, yeah, good genetics. Good genetics. <laughs> but if there was one skill that you could learn, and this, is, we're going to wrap up on this, what would it be? One skill that you could learn that you know would take you into middle age, uh, to middle age, into the late years. I don't know. Because famously, I've always used you as the example on this, that you're that competitive. I remember you taking up golf because she wanted to just still be able to compete at something when you got older and that was the line you told me and the first time you told me that it was a revelation because i was like people need to win that much and we'd been friends for years at that stage i play golf on a monday morning yeah straight out of work i finish 11 hour shift at work go straight to the golf course and i played with the old boys yeah yes i'm an old boy yeah and we only play for a cup of coffee and i still haven't paid for a cup of coffee. Really? And I said that to somebody about a month ago, and he went, oh yeah, oh, you're one of them, are you? And I goes, no, 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 I don't mind buying the coffee. Yeah. It's just that we play for a cup, and I, like I told you, I've never ever in my life turned up for second place. I don't think I'm the best at anything. <laughs> but if you're gonna, if you tell them all, you walk on a loser, you're gonna walk off a loser. If you can't step on into that arena, thinking there's a way that you can win, and there's more than one way of skinning the cat, as the old saying goes. Yes. You don't have to be the best. I beat many a great fighter. Not by being better than him, being smarter than him at the time. Finding a way to get through it. And I still work I still work on that premise. I shouldn't really say this. Why would I go to a tournament and stand stand around and you need referees, you need people to put their time in and learn the job properly and stand there and referee for you all day. I haven't, in my psyche, I can't, I do do refereeing as well as the fighting. So you know me, when you yeah. see me fight, I've probably been refereeing for about four hours yes. and then go and fight yeah. and win. But, he, but now I've got to the stage where I'm expected to go and referee. I still go on referee courses and learn all the yeah. stuff. But while I, st while I can still stand up and while I still ain't getting hit and while I'm still ain't getting beat on a regular basis, I'm gonna keep going into the ring. You know what? I'm not. I'm. I'm not due for retirement. I'm now in prep, getting in preparation. This squad training on on Saturday is to get preparation for the worlds. Jesus. And I have to now pick my game up at 62 years old and compete against all these younger ones. Okay, it'll be the veterans. It'll be over 40, 40 and over. Yeah, that's me. But um, I'm now in preparation for that. Yeah, but that you, you got to remember, even at over 40, you're giving away 22 years. You know what I mean? That's something else. Andy, do you know what? 
We yeah. haven't touched on anything, have we, Michael? No, we've we got can another do this one all again. We've got easily, easily. We've got another one of these. Easily. I tell you what, I'm going to have to do. This is how what a what a tough guy I am. I'm going to have to go soon because I've got to go and walk the dog with my wife. Which it, you know, it's funny uh, because I I actually think that domestic bliss is highly underrated. That's one thing, right? But secondly, it's just as we're sitting here and we're talking, and I'm trying to work out, and I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, 33 years you've been a mentor and a guide to me man and it's bizarre because it's it, it, it's like not even a moment has passed a blink of an eye it's crazy isn't it because I, I, I don't know about you but I still think I'm that young guy I really do you know and it's life <laughs> life man I tell you the only problem with life is you get old too you get old too quick and you get wise too too late that's the that's the deal man but Andy you know what Thanks, man. From the bottom of my heart. Let me tell you the secret of surviving oh. my length of time. I haven't told you the secret. If you surround yourself with great people, then it's easy to move through this life. And you know all the martial arts, martial arts who are training with me at the present time. Yeah. The likes of Lorraine, the likes of Jazz, Jazz Desantis, the yeah. likes of Tubbs. The, I could go on. Good people. They're good people, and they're genuinely good people. Yeah. They're not hard people. There's they're, no agenda. Yeah, they they just come, they train, they go home, and they, I'm surrounded. I've been blessed. People like yourself, I've had a generation after generation after generation. That each generation comes, and then the next wave of great people are there, yeah. helping me move forward. And the likes of Lorraine pushing, and the likes of Jazz pushing as hard as they do, and Tubbs is now sliding into. He's about 36, 37 now. Yeah, so he's he's Tubbs was a kid, him. man. Tubbs was a kid and now he isn't. Yeah. I tell you what, that's that's when you know you're old. When you look at somebody and you go, but you're a, you're a little lad. And then the problem is, you can't you can't help but have that, you know, that, you know, that on-call figure where you're going, look, come here, son. And like, come on, man, I'm 33, leave me alone now. And you're like, no, no, come on, give me a hug. And you're like, get out People of People telling me, oh, you know, you should not fight and slow it down and that like you know but I tell them like I tell Alan Hine as well and he don't do it but he you've got to test yourself every now and again oh you've got to stand up and be counted you've literally got to stand there and get that wobble on and get that turnover in your stomach yeah and the doubt little devil on your back of your head going you ain't gonna make this I'll tell you something I've had had it you ain't getting through this life I've had a touch I've had a touch of anxiety recently over my blood pressure going up through the roof and the worst thing I ever did was I gave up I I, I didn't give it up I didn't go to jujitsu for three weeks I was still teaching and everything Mm. but I wasn't going to jujitsu for me and I never went and you know what I was thinking to myself well I'm just resting my neck I'm going easy my shoulders not great Mm. and I, I just kept thinking to myself but I don't feel as functional as a human being. And it's not battering somebody, mm. you know, it's just the fact that I just don't move the way I know I should be moving. And then I'm like, do you know what? Pff, ignore the injuries, but be careful, be smart. Don't choke me out, lads. If you choke me out, you know, be, be prepared to run because I'll be fucking raging. <laughs> uh, and it's like, no, no, and it's all calmed down. And it is mad, it's like the only, the only one problem with life is it just ain't long enough. Yeah, that's the killer, Michael. You know I mean? We haven't touched on my martial, my martial career and what I've done and where I've gone and exactly and all that sort of stuff. So we can leave that for another time. Let's do it. Right. You see this? This is why Andy should be doing these podcasts, not me. Yeah, we will do it definitely again. And, and we'll what, get into who's boom, trained, boom. how we trained, exactly. What's happening now, exactly. We can do this again, definitely. Okay.
Oh, any day of the week. Michael. Well, we know we can sit in that Ah, that's it. Lots of love, man. Thank Real. you so much. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. You can listen to more shows like this on MixedMartialArts.com. Mixed Martial Arts is an abrupt audio production. Today's show was produced by Luke Berry. Wow.